Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the USL show sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, your home for national team USL and MLS scarves, as well as custom scarves for your club or personal use. Go ahead, check them out, roughneckscarves.com. This podcast is also produced by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, which we are very proud to be a part of. Definitely check the whole network out at bgn.fm, as well as on Twitter, at bbgnfm. I am your host, as always, the gayest thing in USL, Evan Valala, joined sometimes by my soccer colleagues, sometimes by my soccer acquaintances, because they are always my soccer friends. For the next hour or so, we... uh, well, more specifically, I'll be your moderator, host, or maybe even your facilitator of a discussion of the first season. No, not at all. The first week of the uh, the 2018 season of the United Soccer League, which this is good. It's been a long time coming. Joining me this week, it's uh, it's our usual cast of characters. The waviest man in the St. Louis metropolitan area, the cream in your Irish coffee, Phil Grimms. Phil, what's happened, brother? What's up? I can't wait for someone to uh, get offended because yeah. you call yourself the gayest thing in USL because right. they're just they're gonna they're not gonna know you're gay and they're gonna get mad about it. It's gonna be hilarious. I, I mean, you know, I don't know what I have to do. To, well, I mean, I know what I would probably have to do to prove it, but I'm not really um, interested. So, um, thank you. <laughs> um, friendly podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're, um, <laughs> that was the that was as PG as I could have made that. Um, this isn't a video show you can't i know i know uh, well anyway we'll we'll move on uh the usl <laughs> stats department the man who puts the show in show notes it is uh at least until next week our international correspondent ryan allen hello from glasgow yeah yeah you're right good morning it's more accurate yeah good, good morning yeah uh, <laughs> and uh if usl had an equestria he's a rainbow dash if you think he hates your team well one it's because he has facts to back it up and two because you're right it's uh, it's the other Evan, but for everyone's sake, we call him. I say, how y'all doing? One week down and many to go. Hopefully, we don't continue to embarrass ourselves on picks as badly as we did last week. Oh uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with what yeah, that means sorry. because I came out on top. So tied. Thanks to why, your perfect pick. Why do we do that? <laughs> why do we do what? Why did we make this publicly? We all agreed that we were going to do that and look terrible about it. So <laughs> we're really just setting the trend for everybody. And uh, and I, I will be uh, remiss to say uh, he's he's basically the best parts of Chuck Polinick and Elliot Smith. It's Big Kev, Kevin McCamish, who I believe is here. I am. Finally hey. And you don't sound like death. That's true. I, I sound a lot better because I feel a lot better. Good man. Good man. Is it because you lost to the Sounders? That doesn't make sense. We'll move on. Uh, anyway, guys, as I alluded to earlier, it is not, in fact, the first season of the USL, although it might as well be because, well, it's the first season we've had the podcast. But uh, it's uh, it's the first week of 2018 wrapped up, and uh, we're here to talk about it. So uh, I guess we'll go kind of uh, – oh, well, actually, where are we going to start here? Rio Grande Valley and St. Louis FC. Phil, you got to uh, to kick off the season. Personally. Yeah. We uh, had the first game. Maybe that was a consolation prize for uh, having to switch conferences for the third time, as we've <laughs> said more than once on the show. Um, that's all I can think of. But uh, yeah, it was kind of fun to have the first uh, game and that I didn't have to wait as long as you guys did. And I was really happy about that. Um, I can say I wasn't as happy about how the game kind of started. Um, it was a little bit sloppy at first and boring and, you know, no score in the first half. Neither team looked especially good, I would say. Um, but the second half really improved, especially for St. Louis. Um, you could tell RGV came in with a plan to kind of uh, 
um, defend really well. And then they were definitely trying to just kind of counterattack and take pick their chances against St. Louis. And, and it almost worked several times. They very easily could have been up um, before the half. Um, but, but St. Louis held out, gave up a goal um, in the 77th minute, right around there to RGV, who just kind of not on a fast break. They just had the ball and went around our center back, Sam Fink, and mixed up our defense and got a goal in on a low cross, um, which they did a great job doing. Uh, but then St. Louis came back with a, a forced corner from Stanley, Aiden Stanley, our 18-year-old, the youngest player on the field, playing left wing back. Uh, he forced a corner, and uh, the corner was sent in, and, and um, one of our – I put fall. Um, it's confusing because our two uh, two of our midfielders are Wall Fall and Tony Walls, but Fall <laughs> tried to get it in, and then Tony Walls uh, was able to actually get the ball in on the corner. So, so that was the exciting parts of the game. To go back to the midfield situation, what you're telling me at some point, perhaps some false scores the goal with the ball could attend, potentially be a sentence that, that oh, is uttered yeah. at some point. Is there Walsh a kid's book ball. in the works about the midfield? Yeah, I think it would be really good. St. Louis needs on this. Or maybe I do. You know, listen, we're not giving ideas away for free for much longer, but there's there's one on the house, you know? <laughs> That's public. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think Ryan had some good um, good stats um, backed up for this one, didn't you say you watched this, Ryan? Yeah, I was watching this as the first one, and Guillermo Delgado of RGV got the first shot of the season with Pablo Aguilar at the seventy seventh, getting the first goal. But what I took away from this game was that for each team, it was like a tale of two halves. Like if you look in the first half, St. Louis only had one shot and didn't come until it was closer to around the thirty fifth minute. I believe. And then if you look in the second half, they just exploded and got their other seven shots on the evening. Whereas RGV started out very good and earlier in the game, like you were referring to Phil. And then in the second half, they only had three shots on the night in the second portion. So it just seemed like both teams, they, they played a very strong 45 minutes and it just sharing the points that evening was pretty much the most fair result. Yeah, I think so too. To give some like some notes of things to watch for if you do happen to go up against St. Louis or you just want to watch the game and, and know what you're looking for. Um, none of these things, all these things were pretty much mentioned by the announcers. I thought they did um, a good job. They studied up well and knew the players. Um, they're not in midseason form, which I think that drops just a little bit <laughs> when we get to midseason. But, um, but no, they mentioned how it looks like Herzog and Velasquez haven't quite figured each other out. And I don't think they got that much time together in a game, at least in preseason. So I was a little unhappy about that. I thought Greg came in and, and did a little bit better job in, in the 60th minute, at least in this situation. Um, and I do want to say that I think St. Louis was playing conservatively for sure. Um, based on their lineup, Austin Martz is a speedster on the right wing, and, and he didn't come in until late in the game, and, and it did make a difference. Um, but, um, you know, the other thing to notice is that St. Louis made a living in preseason against um, teams not as good as them, college teams and, and fourth division teams, fourth tier teams, I guess you could say. Um, going down the wing and, and sending in crosses and RGV did a great job defending that. And, um, I think a lot of that goes to how well RGV did. They just did not get disorganized very easily and they were able to clear all those out. Um, and so St. Louis wasn't able to feast on that. Like they have been in preseason and the midfield wasn't very strong, even though the players are good, they just didn't attempt to go through the midfield on the ground, which is 
you know, they did figure it out a couple times that almost had some success. It looked really good. I really enjoyed those few moments, but um, so I think St. Louis needs to develop a backup plan of going down the middle. If, if, you know, eating, mm. feasting on the wings doesn't work. So. Uh, and then, you know, later that night we went out West Seattle Sounders two scored two goals in a win against Portland Timbers two who netted a single goal. Kev, uh, you were there, friend of the show, Dave Clark, made his broadcasting debut, which was which was really cool. Yeah. Um, and a, a really solid vibe up at the uh, at the new home park for the uh, now Tacoma Sounders, I suppose. Well, it's still S2. They haven't rebranded yet. I think they're planning to rebrand in 2019. But yes, I'll, S2 I'll has do it moved. for them now, I guess. <laughs> yes, please. S2 has moved to Tacoma. Um, there were 6,049 people in attendance. It was very impressive. Um, I wasn't there physically, but I did watch the game, you know, streamed, watched the whole thing, tweeted it live. You were there in thing, spirit. <clears throat> yeah, I was there in spirit. And actually, I'll probably try to go up in May when T2 visits S2 again, because it looks like it might be kind of fun up there. Mm-hmm. I, I like what they have going on there a lot better than they had at Starfire. I can tell you that much. And I haven't even been there. Is that um, closer or further for you? It actually closer. Closer probably by about 30 minutes, depending on traffic. Nice. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, Seattle won, they won basically in a two or three, four minute window in the end of the first half. Um, that's all it really took them to get the goals they needed to win, but pretty much for the rest of the match, certainly in the first half, the second half was more even, but pretty much from the kickoff to about the 40th minute in the first half, surprisingly enough, it was all T2. Um, it really felt like this team actually knew what they were doing. Uh, I was very surprised and I kept, I kept going like the, they're really trying to get me to have some hope this season, huh? <laughs> they're like, they're like, it's like 18 minutes in. I'm like, they're insisting that I feel good about this and I'm not sure how to feel. And Portland opened the scoring. They drew first blood 30th minute. Augustine Williams got uh, the first goal of the season and went up one nil. And I felt like, Hey, this could actually happen. Um, but unfortunately, now Jimmy uh, Mulligan, who used to play for the Cosmos, played for Gio Savarese, now with T2, um, was very, very active up on the right side from the from the d- defending in the box all the way to attacking and putting crosses in. He got the assist. He whipped in the cross that Augustine Williams tapped in in an empty net because uh, S2's goalkeeper mysteriously just let it kind of pass through his hands. Um and, and then he also gave up the PK, stone-cold PK. No question about that. Um, easily a PK, just Mulligan just came in from behind. In the box, it's a foul. In the box, that's a penalty. Easy-peasy. So Seattle converted that, went up 1-1. And then uh, just, I don't know, they got a second goal like two minutes later, and it was really weird. It was a very nice chip. Um through traffic, I was I was honestly surprised it got in there, and but that's all it took in the first half. Um, no goals in the second half, so the game ended two one, which surprisingly is exactly what I predicted. And I went with my head and not my heart when I made that prediction, um, and turned out to be the per, the I got the max points for the perfect prediction. But I really felt in the second half, even though it was more like Seattle had a little bit played a lot better in the second half. I still think T2 was, was, was there. They had opportunities. Um, Jeremy and put a, uh, put the ball off the crossbar. Um, our Academy product, Lucas Sini 
five minutes after coming on, forced like a really good save out of S2's keeper. He had to dive to get that to keep it out of the net. So, I mean, the points were there for T2 to take from S2, but in the end, they they just they couldn't get their shots on. Um, I believe Seattle had more shots on target. Portland had more shots overall, but you know, if you can't get them on target, then it's you're not going to turn them into goals. And I know that S2 was doing a lot of clearances, a lot of clearing and trying to scramble. Um, I mean, I actually was was quite happy with the result, mainly because T2 didn't look like a total and utter mess in the field. Mm-hmm. They they did lose, and, and and that's fair. It's an away game at a rival. You know, Seattle's got a brand new stadium and a lot of people in attendance. It was probably an amazing crowd for them, and you know they really probably wanted to get start off their their new home with a win. And that's fair. You know, they, they played just well enough to get all three points. But I think if they had made any mistakes whatsoever, T2 probably would have gotten at least a point, if not three. So T2 started off the season with a loss. But honestly, I feel so much better about this team than in 2017. Like, this is not going to be a bad team. Um, they will, I, I feel they're going to probably be pretty solidly mid table, I think. And part of it is because, like, some of the people that stood out, Modu Jadama, even though he's signed to a first-team contract, started for T2. He spent all of last season with Tulsa. So, you know, you have a USL experienced center back in there. Um, Jimmy Mulligan did very well, even though he gave up the PK. He did get the assist, and he was very active, you know, for both teams, if you look at it that way. Um, you know, so you have some experience from the previous second division in ASL coming down. You know, we had Josh Phillips from – I think he had some, some from Colorado Springs. So T2 is doing things a little bit differently this year. They have some some more like USL experienced players in defense, which I think is going to very help them a lot. Um, one of our starting midfielders, Terrell Lowe, he ended up having to get subbed off, you know, just to, as a concussion precaution, and we ended up putting uh, academy player uh, Carlos Agu- Aguiano um, on, and the kid did not look out of place. Um, spent I think sixty some odd minutes out in midfield. Looked like he was right. Looked like he was very comfortable. His passes were doing were very well. Uh, he looked really good. I mean, and again, Lucasini, another Academy product, came out there, put a good shot, had to force a really good save by their keeper. Um, there was very little. There was the only first team low knees were Modu Jadama and Jeremy Ibabasi because I think um, rumor has it that Gio Savarese had all the first team players do like a closed door scrimmage kind of like find out who's going to uh, earn themselves a spot with the first team. So that it wasn't anybody to loan down. So you strictly had a, a straight up T2 team that, you know, for punch for punch, all, you know, held, held back the Sounders played better than the Sounders for most of the match. Um, but the scoreline didn't work out. So. Do you think uh is going to play a lot for the Timbers based on that, that comment, that closed door practice sort of thing? I think so. And because the, the, the first team has um, Sam uh, Armenteros and Fernando Adi, I think Fernando Adi is still going to probably be the starter uh, or the, you know, the person they have in mostly like in, in pencil, they write him in a pencil and Armenteros will be off the bench. So you, you have your starting your backup striker pretty much that way mm-hmm. with Ababasi, Augustine Williams, um, homegrown player, Foster Langsdorf, um, you know, yeah. Academy product, Lucasini, uh, let's see who else will be signed. We signed um, Derrickson Vuelto, who was not hasn't arrived yet. Um, we have another winger, Marvin Laurie. I mean, T two is going to be absolutely stacked with attacking talent, and I don't even know how they're going to get all those people minutes. Um, 
especially if we start loaning people or players down from the first team. So I, I, I feel good about T2 this season. I mean, I actually legitimately feel good about it. So we'll see how it goes. Cool. Pony, you're a resident realist. <laughs> are, are you, how are you feeling about Portland Timbers too? Or Sounders too, for that matter, I guess. Me? I just cut out for a moment. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all I heard is going to, how do you feel? I don't know who you're talking how to. I feel about Sounders and Timbers. Yeah. Like, I we're got... looking for a little bit of bring us down to earth. I, I, I said that you were a realist. You kind of oh, have a voice of reason I know. Sometimes. I said a name, my screen froze. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, this is definitely points lost for Timbers as opposed to anything else. They should have had a draw here. They were the better team for probably 70 minutes of play out there, but they collapsed for about the last five minutes of the first half. Seattle took advantage and was able to keep them shut down. I'm still a little bit hesitant to say both teams, any of these teams have playoff potential, but I think they're both, especially Timbers are better than people think they're going to be. Hmm. I mean, mid table sounds like a stretch to me because Seattle's a team that, is probably going to be the same area at best, and they should be beating the mid-table teams if you wanted to say they're going to be playoff side. But both teams were surprising for me in a good way. I think that we both had them, I think all of us had them pretty low on our list going into the season. And with what we saw, they look competent. I'd like to see them against high-quality opponents because in a game with two teams that most of us have in the bottom half of the West... You could look good just because your opponent isn't as good either. Just shine by comparison. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of these two teams cracks the top 10, really, because they there's definitely potential, especially if Portland keeps all their lone players you're talking about, because yeah. they were the bright spot on the team. While the defense I'm still a little bit unsure of, the offense has potential for both Portland and Seattle this year. I feel like our defense is going to be a little bit better since we have defenders with USL experience. Um, but I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think Portland has the potential to get up there, but whether they meet that potential or not is a question that will be the answer probably in the first half of the season. Also, I mean, the defense can't get worse. It was 63 goals allowed last year. Also true. <laughs> Although not the worst. LA had more. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of us, uh, so, so we've, we picked, uh, and we will pick at the end of this show or a little bit later, um, two games that we're each going to, going to watch really intently in full. Um, none of us picked Red Bull two versus Toronto FC two, uh, with Red Bull coming up victorious two to one. Uh, a couple of things I want to take away from this game that we can talk about if we'd like, uh, and then we will, uh, uh, move on from there. Uh, one, if, if uh, if Angelo, as I call him, but Angelo Cavaluso is on any other team that has like an offense or a defense, uh, he could be one of the top five keepers in the league. Uh, and then the other thing, um, New York Red Bull 2 had like 800 shots. Uh, in, in all actuality, it was 31, which is ridiculous. At Pony, I think you had a tweet about how they're on pace for like 2,000 or something ridiculous. Yeah, um, over 1,000. <laughs> close enough. Um, that's why you're the stat guy. Uh, so if anyone wants to wants to end, uh, and I, I suppose I should give credit to Andrew Tanari making the team of the week off of this performance with two goals, 10 minutes apart, 62 and 72. Um, so I'll just kind of throw it out to the floor. But if anyone has anything to say about either um, Cavaluzzo or, or 
um, Red Bull having, you know, more shots than I have years on my life by a significant number or, uh, you know, anything like that, feel free. I don't have any stats, but like I test watching this team and maybe it's TFC is going to be bad, you know, like maybe expecting. I know, Evan. See, I was I was treading lightly because I know I you were up on them a little bit, I, a little bit, man. I'm a little bit up on them. But if that's true, then Rebels, Rebels 2 is going to be really good. But I, I just thought the attacking um, top four guys probably, I can't remember the lineup, but probably the top four guys seemed to be pretty dang dangerous the entire game um, that I watched at least. So um, I thought they looked very, very good, and it's actually um, you know worrisome. I think they're going to be very good. Sure. Yeah. You're lucky I'd you're in the West again, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'd say for the first half hour, Toronto was the better team out of the two. Oh, I mean, I was watching. They they looked solid. If I was thinking, of, wow, they actually went up one goal early. I'm thinking they might actually be able to grind out a draw on this. And then New York decided to realize they're playing Toronto, who was at the bottom of the table last year, and showed up in force on offense. Cavaluso yeah. kept the game reasonable, and that doesn't even disregard the blatant point blank range misses New York had. I mean, yeah. this game could have been like a yeah eight one type game very very easily. And Toronto, I mean, Toronto, I don't think will be as bad as last year, but New York is like going back into their last year season where I could see them finishing the season with 70 goals for and 70 goals against pretty easily because their back line looked very, very shaky at times. And it's against Toronto, who you should be very, very solid against. <laughs> and Phil, you were asking about that front four for New York Red Bull too. It was at Brian Rupp. White, who led it up top, Andrew Tenary, who got the brace, followed by Benjamin Mines and Florian Velo. Four different guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, New York Ripples, too, getting Velo from the first team. And and even, um, you know, Ben Mines, who you, you kind of figured they were going to drop down. But, I mean, the kids scored a goal for the first team. Hmm. Um yeah, I think I think the East is is kind of looking at Red Bull too with a little bit more, uh, I don't know, anxiety than they did at the beginning of this season or even towards the end of last year. Um, speaking of teams that might be second guessing themselves, Ryan, uh, you you watched uh, a, a little bit or uh, you know as much as we can reasonably expect you to in in you know Scotland <laughs> um, of the Louisville City Nashville game, which uh, not how Nashville wanted that to go I'm, I'm sure no that wasn't really what i expected from nashville i mean grant and louisville got off to a strong start with goals from luke spencer and now mccabe in the second half just 10 minutes apart and louisville throughout the entire match they led 12 8 in shots and 42 on target it's just from what i saw from nashville that just didn't seem like the team that we were all hyped up to have in the preseason and i mean from their eight shots five of which were outside the box i mean Lebo Maloto had three of those shots from outside the box, and he seemed to be the main shot taker on the day. It just seemed that Nashville, to me, they just came out a bit underwhelming. I agree, and and I started to change my tune, so I can't rub this in at all um, because I thought they looked pretty good against Atlanta, but you know, the worry I had was that I thought the defense was going to be really good for Nashville, and I wasn't sure about those attackers. Um, and, and that showed in this game, at least, I don't know if it's going to stay going this way. Like I said, I'm not going to have a big head about it, but they defended great. I thought Louisville looked really bad in the first half. I didn't think they looked very good. 
Uh, but then you get to the second half and that um, that McCabe goal, I think that's the one I'm thinking of where Luke Spencer did the target forward thing where he just had this turn outside the box and, you know, gave the, the pass before the pass. And it was just beautiful. You know, it was Louisville City showing what they can do and what their experience can do. It's already showing in this first game. Um, and, you know, Nashville wasn't able to make up for it with goals, which was my big worry in the preseason. So mm -hmm. uh, something to keep an eye on. Are they going to be a defensive team who can't score? Yeah, I agree with that. That's my concern with Nashville is where they're, where is their scoring going to come from this season? But I think two zero is a bit of a unfair scoreline to an extent. I think it was closer than two zero. I mean, if just watching the game, I thought it'd be more like a two one one zero technical Louisville game. They were absolutely the better team, but Nashville wasn't getting destroyed. The first half, they kept they kept it close for the most part. It was one of those games where I could have entirely believed that Nashville scores in the 50th minute and is able to hold off to a 1-0 one or a 1-1 draw. I think you're, you're returning the second-best defensive team in the East who allowed less than one goal a game, who had more than 10 shutouts against a brand-new team who might not be the best offensive team to start. Mm. I'm not out on Nashville until they start Doing, if they do what they did against some teams that aren't quite as good, I'm nervous. But I think we all saw Louisville and Tampa as a clear 1-2 in the West. And mm -hmm. losing 2-0 on the road to a good defensive team, returning their entire championship team, I don't think Nashville has much to be scared about yet. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the field. Uh, not only is it oh, bad God. as usual, but good Lord, was it patchy. I mean, there was uh, almost yeah. one pass in that thing. Not Tulsa bad, not Death Circle bad. Although we'll see. We'll see. For the other side of the story, Tulsa did say that they they took a picture. Why you did this, I don't know, but they took a picture of that like when they laid it down, so it didn't settle or anything. But I agree. Why did um, they take the picture and show? I, it? Hey man, you know <laughs> it's Social all good. Media. Yeah. But uh, if you see a bunch of people avoiding, or if you look on the heat map on the USL website <laughs> of that game next week, and you see that there's just a, a, a bare spot, like a then uh, you'll know that's where the pitcher's mill is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whew. I uh, I really hashtag Death Circle is what I went with. Yeah, I like that. I like Thank that. you. Thank you. I I need you to big up my ego sometimes. It hurts. Um. Anyway, then uh, then the game after that one. Uh, I took North Carolina and Tampa Bay because uh, one, I needed to scout Tampa for next week. And two, I wanted to see what North Carolina had, uh, you know, a team coming over from, uh, from that league that doesn't exist anymore. Pour one out. Um, this was a weird game. Uh, you know, one of those things where Leo Fernandez opened the scoring for the Rowdies on, in the 23rd minute. And honestly, that was one of those um, counterattacks where, you know, the Rowdies didn't, force a turnover um i think north carolina just kind of fell asleep and uh the next thing you know it's it's you know the ball's coming up field leo fernandez has it takes a shot and it goes in um you know it it, it looked like uh the rowdies were really trying to work down the flanks especially in the first half and they and they got away with it um but honestly you know uh, a good goal from from miller uh cross comes in by uh smith uh, takes a deflection, like pretty much right in the middle of the box, falls to to, uh, to Stephen Miller, and he he bangs it home. So one one, and you think, all right, you know, play the next ten minutes, see what you get. And unfortunately, 
uh, 41st minute foul in the box. Georgie Ristoff converts the penalty. It's two to one. And then insult to injury. Jack Blake in the 90th minute snaps it up. Three one Rowdy's goal. Not as uneven as, of a game as you would expect. Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, North Carolina played wide in the first half. Um, both the left and, and right wing were, um, you know, used super heavily. <laughs> And they didn't have any presence hardly um, right in the middle of the park, like at all. Um, and then, you know, uh, second half, it looked like they adjusted well to Tampa Bay using the wings. But at that point, you know, you're down a goal. You need to find theirs. And they had their chances but couldn't finish them. Um, you know, North Carolina leads in shots 14 to 11. Uh, more shots on target, 8 to 6. Um, but a lot more fouls. And you got to wonder if North Carolina maybe had a little bit of conditioning problems and, and things like that. So, um, again, it's really early. I don't want to take away a whole lot from, you know, the, the first week of the season because I think that's a little uh, premature. Um, but, you know, Tampa Bay showing why everyone thinks that they're going to, you know, do well and they get a road win, which is huge for them because they need to know what that feels like. That uh, that penalty kick, uh, yeah. the call right there was definitely the first, I called it on Twitter, the first worst call of the season because it was outside the box 100%. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. They didn't necessarily deserve that, but I do think they were the better team. I also thought, um, and I'm second-guessing myself based on what you said, Evan, but I thought this was maybe the prettiest soccer of the weekend. I thought both teams were really good. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a good match. It flowed. It went both ways. It was very end-to-end, and I'm not saying that it was ugly soccer or anything. It was just interesting. You know, both teams had a game plan. They both kind of complemented each other in a way, and that both teams got to do what I think they're going to want to do to a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, and on the day, I think it was just the Rowdies kind of showing that they have a bit more quality. I agree. I don't know if, if either of our statisticians or Kev have anything on, on the game, but uh, that was how I saw it. Not much of it is kind of what I expected. Tampa looks like they're going to be good. North Carolina looks like they have potential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, none of us... Uh, picked reno and swope park i think partly because none of us thought this was going to be a, a terribly interesting game i didn't that being said uh carlton belmar everybody player of the week um scores twice assists the other two goals and swope park take a shootout in the snow four three over reno um crazy game crazy sure belmar you know not every week i i, I agree um with the with the, the the player of the week voting, which full disclosure I'm a part of, um, so I'm a little biased. But um, you know, it's one of those things this week where if you didn't vote for Carlton, Carlton Belmar, I'm going to have an issue with you. Um, so hopefully that was unanimous. Well, I mean, if he scores two goals, he gets two assists. It's kind of a no brainer when you vote. So yeah. I was like, I was like, well, I'm voting for Carlton Belmar. Yeah. Yeah. And Haji Berry was on the bench for that uh, team of the week because he had two assists with his goal. So. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great game who I also forgot was on that team. Um, so I think, you know, between Belmar and Barry, you're going to have a pretty good attacking force every single week for Swope yeah. Park that we need to yeah. not forget about. Yeah, that was a chaotic game. I was watching part of it in the second half, and it got to points where you couldn't even see the really see the ball well from the no. camera. It's just, it's just snow jerseys moving around, and occasionally the ref signals there was a goal, and just kind of go, <laughs> okay, that was nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> if Carlton Belmore scores four, two, scores two goals and gets two assists, but you can't really see any of them, do they count? I yeah, guess is right. that the question of the week? Yeah, if the goal is scored with a bear shitting in the woods, does that actually right, happen? right, right? But so, could Carlton Belmar score two goals and get two assists on a rainy day in Stoke? We'll never know. <laughs> hey, for one, for one thing, I'm excited to see uh, Carlton Belmar be successful. Yeah, he earned himself mm. a first team contract. Um, he's doing very well for the for the USL side. You know, apparently it didn't work out in Portland. I don't think it was any fault through Belmar's as to why it didn't work out in Portland. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see someone, you know, move on and get some, find some good, good success there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If was... it, I'm going to assume it was the snow. Um, but I did notice that Reno just like started to give up. I, I watched especially <laughs> closely, like toward the middle end when the snow did get ridiculous where they were just like tackling people, just grabbing them. If they started to run by them, they just like grab them and throw them down. It got real ugly, so I don't know if that's going to be a weekly thing from Reno. Again, probably it's the snow, but boy, they were aggressive in the defense there. I mean, what I thought was from interesting from Reno's standpoint was of their seven shots, six of which were on target, and all of them were in the box today, which I think is definitely attributed just to the snow. Could be a good sign, though. Honestly, Weehan, he was loaned down, so there's that. We were worried about that. He was there. Absolutely. If Reno could keep playing like this, a lot of okay season. I was really worried about what they'd do, but put up three goals against Swope Park. I mean, one was own goal that, I mean, just the deflection on the cross, but I think Reno might be able to, well, I, I, don't, I don't think their sophomore slump will be as bad as Rio Grande Valley's was. I agree. Yeah. Uh, next match, um, funnily enough, none of us picked this one either. But uh, since he finally does it, they finally beat Charleston one nothing. Blake Smith gets the only goal. Um, Charleston comes out on top of possession. The continuation of of Cincy and and Charleston liking to pick up some cards early on continues. Six total yellows, one red. Guys, kind of initial thoughts is soothing to Cincinnati fans for the one team, well, one of two teams that you can't really seem to to beat. Uh, you, you finally do it third time's the charm for, for Cincinnati. Well, we all lost out on our pickums, didn't we? Yep. <laughs> I at least had it being a draw. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if Cincinnati could take 24 shot shots against them and keep them all out, that's a really, really good sign for them because their defense has always been the scariest part of that team for me because it's just so shaky. I'm not sure how well they could sustain that. I mean, there are a couple of really good saves from Newton mixed in there and and Charleston really didn't get enough on target out of those 24 to do good damage. But I think this is what Cincinnati needs to do to win games. They need to play like they did in this game and not just be a team who's going to go, hey, we'll outscore you like New York is probably going to be this year. Right. They need to be able to say, we could win 1-0 games, which historically has not been the bread and butter. Uh, the especially with these two teams, the um, the possession stands out to me because what Charleston is 55% possession. Um, last year it was the opposite and they were doing really well. Um, does the coach have a new plan? I, I hope one of us watches this next week so that we can kind of get the skinny on that, or uh, maybe Black and Yellow Post can let us know. But 
you know, I'm interested to see what is the game plan this year for Charleston when they don't have Romario Williams. They got different different guys, Fantassins up top. Um, and then since he is this all they had to do was like bunker against Charleston and then they could win. I guess that's what they had to do. <laughs> well, and and I mean, last year there was a guy in the Charleston battery who scored regardless of how yeah. many people <laughs> put in front of him. And um, not that I, I don't think Fantessin is is fit for USL. And, and obviously I'm not going to make any kind of claim like that after the first week. But um you know, it's, it's a little different. Uh, you know, Romario Williams, obviously a guy that had it and, and Svintessen, you know, it might take him a little bit of time to adjust to coming over here. So, uh, um, but yeah, I don't think having like 25% possession and scoring three times a game is, is a, uh, sustainable way to live. But, um, yeah, no, it, I mean, you know, good for Cincinnati. Um, I'm glad they didn't have to throw 30 people on the field to win. Hmm. Um, and then, so we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, but um, Charlotte Independence moved to uh, to joint first, um, their second place in alphabetical order in the Eastern Conference with a 4-1 to win over the Ottawa Fury. Um, another one of those weird ones where Ottawa leads in possession by a bunch, but, um, I, you know, I, I think a little bit of, of Charlotte's kind of quality shines through here and, um, Cordell Cato picks up two, Jorge Herrera gets a third and Kyle Porter ports in the fifth with, uh, you know, Sione getting Ottawa's only goal. Was this the shocker of the week? To me, this was more shocking than, than what happened between Slope and Reno. Uh, I think, I think the shock is how many goals were scored. Yeah. Not as much that Charlotte won, but that it was five total goals scored. I think this overall we had this as our expected lowest scoring game of the week and ended up being one of the highest scoring games of the week. So mm-hmm. us being smart about stuff again comes into play there, but yep. it'll be interesting to see how much Charlotte keeps this up moving forward. I know they had, they, they scored on more than half of their shots on target which is pretty rare. I think if you could get a third of your shots on target in, that's decent. But it'll be interesting to see if they keep it up because if they could keep if they could keep this rate of scoring up, they could be a dangerous team. Although this kind of shakes my read on Ottawa too. I'm not sure if this was a bad game for Ottawa or if they're really going to return the same lackluster performance they had in 2017. But it'll be interesting to watch both these teams moving forward and see if this is really Charlotte making their stamp on, hey, we're going to be a relevant playoff team again, or if this is Charlotte, who's going to be a bubble team, beating up, beating up one of the worst teams in the, in the East, because I could believe mm. either of them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ottawa's the only team I kind of stuck my neck out on within the USL, and they're letting me down right now. So we'll see what happens. First week, man. First week. I'm not, yep. <laughs> not worried yet, but... Hey, uh, if you guys wanted early and you wanted to watch the Black and Gold Derby this year, uh, the first one, you could have left. That's for Francis uh, to, uh, oh boy. To Anybody got, got a, there we go. Yeah, Francis, Francis to Hane. Um scored in the sixth minute, and then you would have seen a bunch of fouls and a bunch of cards. But other than that, an even yeah. game, but a very choppy game. This is a e- classic energy game, honestly. I mean, in like the... I constantly talk about the conference final between Swope and OKC. It was this game, except Energy did a much better job of like taking, you know, taking control and looking better. Um, and obviously, they got the goal. But this is just classic, like 
Tulsa and Oklahoma City, you know, just going at it. This is this is exactly what I expected, to be honest with you. Yeah. OKC always reminds me, it's like a, it's kind of like Rochester Rhinos light, where it's not <laughs> quite as good as the lockdown lily ball, but they yeah. thrive more on the really solid, strong defense with get a goal or so in and just beat their opponent and just just force it was basically force them into submission after going up one nothing or even maybe getting a second goal in. They're not gonna light the scoreboard up. Same great taste, fewer calories kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like it's, the fourth it's literally light. Yeah. yeah. Submission is pretty like dead on because they just they're not gonna let up on defense and they're gonna get their chances. And if they score one of them, you're done. Like you might as well just be down for the count. Yeah, I'd I'd be interested to pull up numbers of how many what percent of games that Oklahoma State scores first they win. Hundred percent, probably pretty high. Yeah, we need to look that up. That's good. Kev, you've uh, you've seen these two teams a little bit. Is this about right for the the black and gold derby, or just kind of these two teams in general? Mom, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and if fair, you ever wanted a two second soundbite of how people feel about these two teams, <laughs> that's about it. It did well, get I mean, chippy. It got it was good to see ex uh, St. Louis uh, FC player um, Mirkovich. I mean, he mm. he went at it just like he always does. He's exactly what I thought he was. So, <laughs> it, it's it's a good rivalry to watch. You know, I mean, as a neutral, it's a good rivalry to watch. And I agree with you guys. I mean, I think OKC is going to be the the uh, Rhino light, but. For me personally, I mean, neither OKC Energy or Tulsa like excite me enough. Like this, this game, as far as rivalries go, is not going to be one that I'm going to be like, "Hey, I'm going to watch that one." And it, it's nothing against Oklahoma, the state, both teams. It's just, it's just me. <laughs> and to be fair, I'm coming from I'm coming from a Portland Seattle rivalry where it's more exciting even at the even at the two levels so oh they didn't film twin peaks and <laughs> hey that's fine if you want to complain go ahead uh my mentions are open at hey, game of camera hey. X. as the usl <laughs> show hashtag f you kev um yeah. <laughs> as a midwesterner this is exactly what we're used to hearing you jackass <laughs> hey well, to be fair every time i try to watch your feeds like every like the feeds just go out really bad i think the entire midwest has bad internet <laughs> It's that flyover state. Yeah. That, I, if we do a central conference podcast ever, I, I've got a name for it and it involves flyover. So, oh, good. Good. Keep it on. Don't tell anybody ever. Yeah. Keep, yeah, it, yeah. keep it, you know, under your mattress with all your money. Um, speaking of people not caring, I, I'm so sorry to the switchbacks, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Colorado 2, LA Galaxy 2. Zero, um, meaning the switchbacks scored twice. The Gal- Los Dos did not. Um, I will say this switchbacks pretty much just bossed this match. Um, and uh, yeah, there you this go. Is, this is a game I probably should have watched since the T2 is going to be facing Colorado this weekend and away. So, you know, I'm not, is even though T2 is playing better, I, you know, I'm not like holding out hope that they can get a result, but. I should have watched this match. Unfortunately, I did not. Well, it'll be a good test for uh, Timbers because yeah. you'll get high altitude. Colorado's showing well so far, holding down the fort up high there to yeah, well, against LA. It, so it's a good. You're right. It, it will be a very good test against a team that you know is a, is going to be a, probably a good team this year. Um, you know, honestly, like, just, just like anyone, was saying. 
good competition. Yeah, exactly. If you can beat Colorado when they're at home, then you should feel good about yourself, honestly. So if you can pull that out, you should feel good about your team. And I might honestly, after next week, maybe I will agree with you about the uh, middle of the table team. Could happen. Yeah, we'll see. Can you guys call that the medicinal license needed derby? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Legal in both states? Yeah. yeah. But, but it's legal like you don't need a, me- a medicinal license. No, you don't even need that, yeah. You just, you just call it the Mary Jane Recreational Derby. Derby, then. We'll call it the Recreational yeah, Derby. Recreational Derby. <laughs> <I love> <laughs> And to be fair, Washington is now the same way too. Again, I'm I'm gonna eventually have to start charging teams for all this really good marketing advice. But, but there's another one on the house. We're feeling <laughs> we're feeling you know we we can't do giveaways quite yet, but we'll help some teams out with derby names. So recreational derby. I know, I know people from the state of Oklahoma are gonna be peeing, uh, pinging me on Twitter like you must be high, not mm. caring about our derby. Blah blah blah. Mm. Well, they can or do- you could call it the elevation derby where both teams you know because it's a high thing. And also the walkout song instead of the generic USL one has to be Elevation by U2. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, anyway. Fox play Lowe's Dose again on September 2nd. So we'll have to remember to tweet that out then. There you go. <laughs> uh, the first uh, stoppage time goal of the season. The first, I don't know, point saver, Alex Crognale, the former Columbus crew, getting the 90th minute uh point saver for Orange County. Uh, Solomon Asante getting the 11th minute goal for Phoenix Rising. Again, another one. Uh, nothing crazy going on here. Phoenix Prowess, um, but they did not. Orange County beat them in shots. They get a point. Um, again, right, let's, let's, let's pour one out for Phoenix and move on to the Fresno and Las Vegas because that's yeah. more interesting. I, hey, I watched <laughs> this game. It took a million notes and there, it was an interesting game because, oh. let me tell you, Hold on, I'm actually please. I took notes on this. <laughs> the, uh, you or are you writing them now? And you're just, you know. Yeah, I'm writing them as I talk. I'm thinking, you know, this is just. Didier Drogba is currently IMing you on on AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah, he's giving it to me in French, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, mm-hmm. trying to translate here. But no, listen to this midfield, okay? Aiden Quinn, Christian Duke, Hashimoto, uh, Bjerman, who I know from St. Louis, um, who also played in OC before St. Louis. Um, that midfield is really, really solid, and it shows in the style they're trying to play. They're trying to play a possession style, and it it was beautiful to watch, to be honest with you. Um, I thought they were the more dangerous team throughout the day. Granted, they were at home, which is the big <clears throat> thing to watch, and I think Phoenix was playing perhaps more conservatively, kind of like St. Louis, I think. I hope for both teams' sake, honestly. Mm. Uh, Because even though Phoenix scored that first goal, they didn't have a ton of chances. They were just able to capitalize on on one of the maybe five or ten chances they had, probably more like five or seven. But um, Orange County had a lot of chances. They just didn't get like really dangerous chances. And and the only thing I want to say about that was that is that OC reminded me a little of St. Louis in that they're trying to play this possession style. Granted, they don't press like crazy like a like a Precky team does, um, but they did possess the ball. They're looking for the the ball through, and, and it is harder to score that way. I honestly think it's really hard to score that way in USL. So watch OC. It's a fun game to watch. It's a fun team to watch. I think they're underrated, and I suggest if if you're you know around not doing anything when an OC game is on, I suggest you turn it on and check them out. That midfield is really solid. So um, I enjoyed watching that game. Would you say it was top team in Southern California? Um, yeah, 
hundred percent. But I wouldn't put them above sixth place in the West because again, I think it's too hard to score that way. But it's uh, admirable to do it. Fresno, Vegas, um, obviously, kind of a uh, well, you know, a, a game against two teams that were looking to, to show the U.S. what they were about, and I think both clubs did that. Um, I I caught a little bit of this one. Um, I, I know a few people that were there. Um, rough start for Fresno, but they kind of came into their own in the second half. But it was too late. They got into a shootout, and Las Vegas came out on top. I just want to know what, what what happened to Las Vegas. Have they actually like? Yeah, are, is Las Vegas dramatic zoom in actually good now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who knows? What? I couldn't what? believe it. Let's oh. go over to Pony. How did Vegas get hey, good? Pony, how you feeling? That was that was a, a surprise game to me. I mean, surprise. Looking at the shots, they basically scored every chance they got. Mm. <laughs> And they, they they had one of those just uh, kind of like uh, Char- Charlotte, who had the basically ungodly efficiency level in their chances. I'd like to see how far, how much they do that moving forward. I haven't watched this game yet. I kind of want to go back and look at more than just the just the highlights. But I saw a couple of really good saves by the Vegas keeper. They played a good game, and I think it was a little bit of an outlier given. Hmm. Yeah, Vegas only had five shots on target and scored three goals. I don't know if they could keep it like that moving forward. They have a very rough start to the season, so I think very quickly we're going to find out if they really are a good team or not, or if they just got somewhat lucky out the gate, went up a couple goals early, and basically ruined Fresno's game plan. I think none of us had, none of us had this happening. I think we all had Fresno winning. I think all had Fresno winning by more than one goal. Yep, yep. So it'll be interesting because this Vegas team from the bits I saw didn't look at all like the Vegas team in the preseason matches. It was like a different... Were they wearing a different jersey? If they're looking like a different team, were they were they actually looking like they're a different team or do they still have that, that white? No, they have the black on. I say uh, their road kit isn't that bad, though. Actually, it's, no, it's not. The road, road kit, kit needs good. to be the home, home kit, honestly. The road kit should be the home and the way kit, and the home kit should be destroyed. <laughs> I thought their attack looked almost mature. I don't know if it was like you said, an outlier, and it sounds like it is, honestly. But um, I just was shocked. I didn't watch much of the game, so I, you know, put that outlier out there. But you know, I thought they looked good. Yeah, believe. Really, it'll be interesting to see how that develops for sure. Because I, I don't know. I don't want to do that, but we'll see. I don't know if Las Vegas is, is, can keep that up. If they can, great. If not, then told you so. Um, onward and upward. Sacramento played San Antonio FC, and the uh, the Republic took a 2-1 win. So good start to Sacramento after a disappointing 17. Um, San Antonio, you know, Mikey Lopez got off to a good start, and uh, they led in shots, which is nice. But if you don't get points, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, both these teams are not were not starting their full rosters. There were injuries on both sides. So I think if they met again in the middle of summer, there'd be pretty different lineups. I was pretty surprised by Sacramento getting two goals. I know Ibiaga leaving for New York City is gonna be a pretty bad hit for bad hit for San Antonio, but this was a team that allowed multiple goals only four times in the 
entire 2017 season and they give up two right out the gate in 2018. So they need to find a way to square that up if they want to really return to the top, as I think they're still primarily a defensive team and not a team who is going to go out there and score three goals and win that way. Sacramento looked decent from what I saw there, moving the ball a lot better than they did last season. The players seem to be coming together very well. They got a couple goals. I think it was similar to the Portland-Seattle game where there's just a 10-minute span right around halftime where Sacramento just started playing very, very strong soccer, and San Antonio made a couple errors, gave up a few quick goals, and that was all it was. Sacramento played a little bit more defensive from there on out. San Antonio got a goal. The keeper, Cohen, for Sacramento, who is a transfer from Phoenix, had a really good save right at the end of the game to keep it to save the points. But it'll be interesting to see these two teams move forward. I'm still around my preseason thoughts of San Antonio will be one of the better teams in the West, and Sacramento should be in the playoffs, but anything better than fifth is exceeding realistic expectations still. Something I forgot to say about the Phoenix game was how awesomely good Billy Forbes was with, with Phoenix and that he drew a lot of attention because he was constantly a threat. And so, um, you know, that's, that's a big loss for San Antonio. I couldn't believe how good that guy was for Phoenix. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? And in your, uh, your final match of the week and, uh, I was there and I was surprised Bethlehem four, Richmond one, Ryan, you, uh, you also chose to watch this. So I'll let you kind of talk because I'll, I'll be biased regardless. Uh, try not to be, but anyway, tell me what you saw as an independent third party. Bethlehem just controlled the game the entire time. I mean, they had 60% possession and with an 18-7 shot advantage, 16 shots on target, and at times the kickers just look sloppy. I yeah. saw like many giveaways in the middle of the pitch, a few that led to goals, and then, and despite his brace, I'd argue that Eric Ayuk, it was incredibly impactful today in the, or in the match. I mean, Brandon Allen just came alive in the second half, but if you watched throughout the entire first half, Ayuk did wonders for the Bethlehem Steel attack. Yeah. Um... It was it was funny after the game, so hopefully this is a league wide thing, like I've been told it was. But uh, Lee Kalashaw, Richmond kickers head coach, and, and two of their players available for comment after. Um, and Kalashaw said that Wara was not with them much, uh, if at all, in the preseason. And um, you know, not to um, slag off on those guys because I do think you know when he gets acclimated, Wara will turn into a, a, a really solid keeper. Um, but boy, did it look like he didn't play with those guys before. Um, that being said, uh, you know, his uh, palmed a ball and and it dropped right to Ayuk, who, who slammed the first goal home. Derek Jones did that thing that he does so well. That's the reason why everyone's uh, no. you know, really hoping that he can become what he does and just destroys the midfield, beats four defenders, and slots the ball away. Yeah, what was uh, that? I watched that replay, and I didn't know who scored the goals. And I was like, what winger just dribbled through all those dudes? Oh, yeah. never mind. Derek Jones, the number six <laughs> for the team, did that. That was ridiculous. He should not be with that team, to be honest with you. I watched that, and I was like, close to 200 pounds now. send that guy back to the senior team. He uh he dribbled through four people and four other people watched him dribble through four people and he uh, he finished far post against Wara, and then Brandon Allen, um, 
again, you know, first goal, Derek Jones bombing run up forward. Wara comes out, wins the ball, doesn't collect it. Uh, Allen takes one or two touches outside of the box, megs the defender, and it and it sneaks in the goal. Um, and his second goal was ridiculous. Uh, he takes it to the end line, has absolutely no angle, finds a way to sneak it, uh, you know, in between Wara, another defender, and the and the end line, and it falls in the back of the net. Um, and somewhere in between there, Oscar Umar had like my goal of the week, but no one apparently agrees with me. Which played a really young back line and it paid off. Uh, they weren't tested a whole lot. No Dane Kelly for the Richmond kickers, which was interesting. <laughs> um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, if that same four is there next week because they get to play Tampa Bay and, and you know, if Bethlehem can keep this momentum going. Uh, because honestly, their their road record was not good last or their uh, home record rather was not good last year. So I, I feel like we need to talk about this Dane Kelly thing because it's really the bread and butter of a USL show, yeah. to be honest with you, because this is a dude that is so dangerous and so ridiculously um, what dominant in USL who just cannot make it on the MLS level. Um, yeah. And it happens from time to time, but I'm starting to believe that, that that's the case. I had a talk with um, – Hodel, and I, I can't remember his first name right now, but from San Diego talking about, you know, he follows Dos Santos and, um, you know, like he didn't get much playing time even after and before the injury with Swope Park under Dos Santos, who is a good, a good coach who I think we could trust his judgment. Um, so I'm interested, you know, like I'm starting to believe that Dan Kelly just can't hack it at I, the USL level. I would, I would hope I would really hope uh, Bethlehem didn't have Aiden Apodaca who had a, had an injury. Chris Nanko was out with an injury. Drew Skundrich was out with an injury and um, Omar Holness who's out and, and is about uh, now he'll be about three weeks away from playing, um, you know, but Nanko and, and Skundrich and um, Apodaca picked up kind of preseason injuries, just kind of minor things that they didn't want to risk. Uh, Brendan Burke after the game said that he could have played Apodaca, but didn't want to want to risk it. Uh, you know, this early in the season. So I'm hoping that Kelly has a knock, which is a terrible thing to say, but that would explain why he wasn't there because yeah. he would be unavailable. Um, I didn't see anything from Richmond's game notes that said that. I didn't look them over super thoroughly, however. So it's a guy that they're going to want to use. And I think if he plays, that changes the way that that team looks um, a lot. And, and, you know, if, if he's there, that game could have ended differently. But um, you can only play the team in front of you, and, and Bethlehem did that to a T. And, and, you know, top of the East is uh, is neat to look at after one week, but it means nothing. So we'll, we'll, we'll see after Tampa next week, and then the week after that they play uh, Nashville. So uh, it's a, you know, good momentum kickoff here, but we'll, we'll see how that works in two weeks with, you know, two really good opponents. And with Dane, you got to wonder if he got a fair shake too. You know, he's at DC United. He's like the fourth striker in line. So maybe he didn't get a fair shake either. But, you know, let's see if he's dominant in Richmond. If he's dominant in Richmond, I mean, for goodness sake, what more do you want from him? Yeah. And then uh, running down player of the week, I think we've already kind of made it clear that we're all Carlton Belmar uh, this week, but the uh, the nominees, Carlton Belmar, um, obviously two goals, two assists. Cordell Cato um, for the Independence, uh, two goals for him. 
Andrew Tenari, two goals for Red Bull 2. Matt Thomas, Las Vegas Lights, he scored 70 seconds in, which is the record for the opening goal in a USL expansion club's history. And Brandon Allen with his brace as well for Steel against Richmond. Team of the week, uh, Allen Thomas, Belmar, Tenari, Cato, Hines from Seattle Sounders to Blake from the Rowdies, and then uh, Hunter with the switchbacks, Kynan, I believe is the pronunciation, FC Cincinnati's captain, Paco Craig from Louisville City, and then uh, Phil Chiboy. Uh, Fenlison or Fenlason, the goalkeeper. Fenlison, I think, is Fenlison. what everyone's saying, at least. Fair enough. I wanted to make him French. I apologize. Yeah, good try. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then, guys, some news, and we can, I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, a good bit. USL, um, future move to ESPN Plus. Obviously, I see both sides of the argument here, but I think it's a net positive. If they're making any money off of this, that's huge. Yeah. It may be more important than whatever the hell we feel about it, to be honest with you, for, for soccer in the United States. Yeah, that's true. But I, I'm also curious if this eases – I wish I had asked this question, but I, I wonder if this eases their um, burden to improve video and media in the USL um, – I, I think I think it'll take some of the the weight of that or some of the the manpower of that off of USL and hopefully onto ESPN. I think that's a good thing if that's the case. Or that. if I USL hope. gets money, then they put that back in the teams and those teams use it wisely because there is some teams like like in a perfect world. As much as I you know I I um I like Mike Watts. In a perfect world, you have a dedicated announced team for each market. Yeah. 100%. It's not personal. That's just, it's better. It just Infinitely works better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. But that's that's my, you know, flip of the coin. Obviously, people that, that aren't going to like this might point to the USL and MLS being in bed together. But those are people that you weren't going to win over in the first place. So, yeah, it's a, it's a mute point, I think. It um, is, and I'm curious, like, what else comes with this? You know, if sure. if we get all the MLS games with this, that's a, a pretty big bonus. On top of that, uh, maybe not for some of you USL hardcore guys, which I, I feel you there. But um, I'm, you know, I'm almost hoping we get other soccer games. If we get some NCAA stuff in there, if we get some sure. random league, you know, that we don't get to watch every day in there, that'd be really awesome. No one carries Bundesliga two right now, and it. Mm. Kills destroys me because i would love to watch yeah i mean if anyone's gonna get that though it's fox just because they have bundesliga itself so i feel you there but you know if we get another foreign league in there on top Mm. of mls and usl would you pay five bucks a month or whatever they're gonna charge to do that i can't imagine them more than five bucks a month and i think it's yeah i mean um you know they do do ncaa tournament games on there and things like that so the college you know games are kind of integrated in um, anyone else have any thoughts? I love that Phil and I are into this yeah, so much, exactly. but you know, I don't, I don't mean to to hoard the conversation. Phil, I, for suggestion of another league, put in the Chinese Super League. Yeah, that's not a bad idea either. I'll take the I'll Scottish like- Premier Football League. Hey. No, I've seen ten matches since I've been here, so I've been. Enjoying- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they should do that, or like maybe just Celtic and Rangers, and everyone else kind of collateral i mean what would you give to watch every single a dutch game or every single belgian game (laughs) even like liga mx throw some of that in there i mean i think those rights are taken but 
man, there's so many leagues around the world that I would love to watch. Japan, Korea, even. Sure. Australia. Australia, yeah. That'd be yeah. Del- Delbo. That's right. We can watch Delbo every week. <laughs> Same time. Um, and then... Billy uh, guy. Um, rumors of FC Cincinnati being announced as the next MLS expansion side. He had a couple tweets that said that he had a source or two that were telling him it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and now they're saying... Mm, it's, a bit here because it might not be figured out uh now my my big thing for the last almost two years now is that cincinnati has a lot of off-field issues that might affect the players their stadium plans are looking a little weird and i don't think the one that they really wanted to happen is going to happen and people want to move to northern kentucky which would be read terrible um Guys, any thoughts on, you know, do we think this happens soon? Is it better for Cincy if it happens soon? Is it better if it happens in the offseason? You know, would it make any sense for MLS, I guess, to announce a team now? I I, I wouldn't think so, but I could be wrong. Well, we've seen in Miami that it doesn't matter if you don't have a stadium nailed down anymore. New York City is going to play in Yankee Stadium until the sun explodes. That's not a problem. That's sure. exactly what I said. To the, I believe I said <laughs> they will play in, in the Yankee Stadium until the entropy of the universe. Yes. <laughs> of the entropy of the known universe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, apparently that's not a thing anymore, even though it seemed to be one of the most important things back in the day um, when St. Louis lost their bid. But um, important. I guess, I don't know. I don't really don't know if it matters. If I was MLS, yeah, they'd have a site nailed down, they'd have a plan in place, and the Board of Aldermen would approve it. But again, things seem to have changed. I don't get it. Everyone's favorite seat. Now, what happened? Guys, I can explain this perfectly. Because as we all know, I am the Don Garber Bachelor Aficionado. Now, you're giving in away ABC's right hit now. situational uh, uh, reality show, The Bachelor, the gentleman, uh, you know, proposed to this girl and they were engaged for two months. And then he went, no, wait, I like this other hoe more. Um, I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but I don't remember her name. And that was a placeholder. So I apologize. But he Sacramento went, no, it's Sacramento. was her name. Right. Uh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and he went, no, but I love I love this girl more. And everyone went, dude, you suck. Like, that's awful. Why would you do that? Um and now, not that I'm saying that Don Garber is going to be like, haha, Sacramento, like you win, but that would be hilarious. Uh, or if anyone's a wrestling fan out there, I think like Sacramento got like the money in the bank briefcase. And randomly at like MLS Cup this year, they're going to cash in. They'll be like, by God, that's Sacramento FC's music. And then, then they'll win MLS Cup or something. I don't know. Um, or what they should do, you know, every every year you have a, you have like a, like a, 15 team mls expansion rumble and whoever's left at the end just gets in <laughs> and they have to point to a giant mls cup that then like you know pyro comes out over whatever and, you know money by god that's geo savarese and rocco camiso <laughs> what the hell what are they doing here and you know it'd be great robert palmer's invading from the crowd it would be amazing it, it would, would be incredible now blowing my mind right now the new york world order is that's what's gonna happen oh anyway again again i'm gonna start charging people for these ideas but those are free so it's <laughs> so the celebrity death match to come back with rocco 
Don, 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 if you're li- Don, because I know you're listening, I love you. Um, uh, but but that idea, you oh. know, you don't have to, you don't have to give me credit or anything for it. But we'll know, you know, we'll know. we'll see each other in the concourse or something. You'll just kind of wink. It'll be great. It'll be great. Send me flowers. Anyway, uh, uh, what where, where were we? Not, since man, the Cincy Sock Dog guys are gonna be fucking pissed. <laughs> you were gonna talk about our team, and then you didn't. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they talk, by the way. I've heard them. Often. Uh, anyway, we're getting. <laughs> excuse me. Now it's time for our last segment, the mailbag mail. Um, Casey J at J underscore Casey. See what she did there. He he or she did there. Uh, at the USL show, do you think having affiliated in two sides help or hurts USL being a credible second division in the USL in the US soccer structure? Hashtag ask USL show. By the way, uh, if you guys want to ask us a question, please use that hashtag. It makes it so much easier for me to find you. Or uh, DMs. DMs work just as well. So guys, uh, affiliate in two sides, does that help USL in terms of credibility? I feel like we should take a vote. How many of us? One, two, three, four, five. I'm biased. I think Kev's biased. I think we're all a little biased, really. But I, uh, I, I don't really know how I feel. No? If you ask, Okay, so here's the thing. If you had asked sure. me this question in 2017, my response would have been, no, it hinders it. Here's the best example, Timbers 2. Um, or Toronto 2, in the East. Now, now, this season, I feel differently, and I don't know if that's because T2 are not bad. Um, or if some of their player acquisitions that make it seem like they're taking the league a little bit more seriously this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe it's, it kind of depends on year to year. I don't really know, but does it truly hinder the league? Probably not. Mm. Does it truly help the league? I mean, there's a bunch of teams. Right. And, and to be fair, some of the T2 teams are really good, like Real Monarchs, New York Red Bulls 2, you know, it, you, Swope Park. You can get a lot of these affiliate teams that are that take this take the league seriously, um, produce good quality, and and are just and, and put out a good product on the field. So so I think that the affiliate teams, the two teams that don't do that, are fewer and farther between, and will probably continue to get fewer and farther in between. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm more of kind of yes, no, but I guess maybe leaning towards a little bit like, yeah, it kind of helps at least certainly does not hinder, certainly does not hinder, maybe helps a little bit, but definitely does not hinder. I don't think I agree with that, Kevin. And I think, um, as Evan said, we're all very biased and I, I am very much so, even though I'm not, a, I'm, you know, I'm affiliated obviously with a independent team, but I think what you said makes sense. Do they care, you know, and do they care enough to stay in the league? I would say if you're scrambling to find a stadium right now, you don't care enough. And and honestly, I could care less if you leave. What Swope Park Rangers is doing this year is an abomination. It's absolutely ridiculous to go to a high school stadium, not allow people to drink beer. You know, who knows if they have dressing rooms. This is we this is three, four years ago, USL. You're trying to pull on us right now. And you've had plenty of warning to go find some other place or upgrade your stadium. And you haven't even tried. And now you're scrambling and you're in a high school stadium. It's that's embarrassing. And it's division two soccer in the United States. And we're trying to do something good here in the USL. And you're not even trying. Okay. So uh peter vermees shame on you right now because you're letting us all down and i think all those teams need to either step it up next year or the year after that 
or get the hell out of the league. I don't like it. And I'm worked up right now because obviously they built this like U.S. soccer training ground. They can build this U.S. soccer training ground, but they can't afford to give the Swill Park Rangers a decent place to play with beer and uh, 5,000 seats, even if they're bleachers or whatever the hell you want to put in there. It just makes no sense to me that they haven't even tried. And um, someone needs to put the pressure on them to either step it up or just drop down to Division Three. Apparently, they want to stay in Division Two, and it makes no sense to me that they want that while not even trying. So um, someone tell Swope Park to get their crap together, including perhaps Sounders, perhaps T2, if you guys aren't trying. Bethlehem. Hey, we're trying. We're trying. This year. So um, I, I just – all the, you have to do is try, okay. put on a, a good – you know, a good game day experience, have a, an, a, a support group out there and get at least 2000 people to your stadium every week. And you're good. At, at least our visitors don't have to change in junior hall. Mm. I agree with you. <laughs> Wait, you mean a junior prom? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> well, I assume uh, <laughs> Homeside Swope Park gets senior hall to change in, right? Right, right. Yeah. We're all the, the you get <laughs> and, and you wear red on, on spirit week or whatever. Um, it's, As, been, it's uh, been 20 years since I've been in high school, so I don't know if they still have like... Hey, man, it's only been like four for, since I graduated, and I, I don't... 1998 was I was in high school. Born in 1998. Damn. What? Look at this. I'm only 30. I'm turning 36 this year. Mm. Is it 2019? Mm. Kev, do you want us to edit that out? We can edit that out for you so no one actually knows. I don't care if I'm the old person. So <laughs> <laughs> old man kev new nickname old man kev uh no listen so um i think now and and obviously i i'm gonna i'm gonna also say that there's it, it, it's not outright helping it's not outright hurting what you have now the teams that are left and and honestly for oh well you you know you can leave the league the rhinos left you know that was weird uh anyway what you have now out of the two teams and the affiliate sides are the ones that get it. Um, I, I think, you know, Bethlehem's been really smart in how they brought players. Again, biased. That's the team I'm closest no, to. I agree. I know the best. But, I mean, you've seen that. Timbers, too, went out and got, got better guys. You know, Sounders, too, went out, got better guys. Obviously, they're a good team on the field. <laughs> the field they play in, not great. They're a good team when they're on it. Red Bull too, obviously, you know, they've won a cup. Um, so, you know, even Fresno and Vancouver, those two are acknowledging each other and they know that that exists. New York picked up a guy from San Antonio, which they finally figured out what they kind of. So I, I think the two teams in the affiliate programs you have left are, are the teams that are working with each other, you know, um, the Rapids and, you know, they poached him. Okay, but hey, Enzo Martinez is a guy we'd like. We can get them. Um, I, I think the ones that you have left are the ones that understand that you can use USL to cultivate talent. You store your draft picks, you know, try them out for a year, see if you like them or not. And then if not, now there's all these guys that have other teams that they can play for. Brandon Aubrey, a good example. Hugh Roberts, a guy that, that moved from Richmond the, to Bethlehem to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, God, uh, Ben Zemanski uh, moved from the Timbers to, to the Riverhounds. Yeah. Um, you know, it, a lot of those NASL guys, okay, still don't have jobs, but you know, the ones that did USL. So, um, you know, it's helping in that there's more teams, the USL, 
younger. I think the, the affiliate teams and the two teams that you had are the ones that understand what they're doing and why this exists and, and are using it to their advantage. Um, so, you know, I understand it's it's a little hard to, for, for me to be empathetic really towards people that are like, oh, two teams shouldn't be there because, you know, who's won the last couple of MLS Cups or USL Cups rather? MLS Cups. Yeah, with USL teams. No, um, but, uh, you know, the last couple of USL Cups have been, have been two teams or affiliates. Um, but at the same time, I understand seeing a two next to a team name isn't awesome. So there you go. Should we put D next to him, like Barcelona B, who play in La Liga 2? That's what I was going to say, though, is like, would you rather watch? I don't know. Maybe it's a stupid question, actually. It's a good question, actually, because would you rather watch Barcelona B with 500 people there or 1,000 people there? Or would you rather watch a worse team with 5,000 to 7,000 people? I think we should put that on Twitter, perhaps, because I think it would go both ways, actually. Yeah. Barcelona B averaged around 3,000 in attendance this past, or through this season. Yeah. Isn't that kind of pathetic for the talent then, on that team? Yeah. Uh, last question. Friend of the show, Mike Pendleton. Uh, graphic design hounder, I think, is what we all best know him for. Um, at Fat7Deuce, it's a PhDT. Uh, the number seven, an induced EUCD. On Twitter, hashtag ask USL show. If you could make one change to the league that would make it even more raise your game of your trademark, what would it be? Well, Mike, I already answered. Um, I think we should have a uh, a USL Rumble. Winner gets uh, $250,000 towards uh, a stadium or renovations <laughs> of their choosing. Or, or uh, they can also choose uh, one like former MLS player. Uh, so, you know, if, uh, if Phoenix win, they can pick Kobe Jones or Heath Pierce or, uh, you know, um, I don't know. Steve Zakawane is, is still around or, or maybe even, you know, um, Zach Pfeffer or, um, you know, who, who else is out there? That's really, I'm trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel if we're not getting my bit. Um, <laughs> No, it's, that's about all I got. Uh, or or what it is, USL Rumble, the winner gets the rights to the Columbus crew. <laughs> and you can do whatever you want with them. Oh no one will. <laughs> the Hunts worked it into the Do you contract. have any raise your game your trademark ideas? I've been trying to come up with a joke answer, but I think your your joke answer beat any of my joke answers. Guys, see, <laughs> now the other, the other problem with this question, Mike, if I can talk to you directly through a through a podcast, which as we all know is a great way to have a two way conversation with someone who's not not around. Sit, sit um, down, Mike, which is why I'm starting story. a new podcast dedicated to my father. Yeah, uh, um, that's, that's not true. Uh, anyway, uh, Mike, between the two of us, uh, Las Vegas has already done so many batshit crazy things that it's hard for to come up with ideas. You know, llamas in the pitch, they've already. Uh, home kits they've already done it emojis on the inside already done it signing freddie you do and playing him already did it so coach out smoke in the stands already done it yeah 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 light up in the stands you You know know, what how about um a distribution a weed distribution center on campus on site oh very good next to the girl scout cookie uh food truck yeah 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 kev ryan pony anything 
No, I don't got anything that's any better than what you guys said. <laughs> oh, man. Raise your game. I think we could think about this and do a better job. What about like what about like you know the dolphin the uh, not the dolphins the Miami Marlins have that really gaudy home run thing? No. Oh yeah. What I'm in score. There was just a stupid like elaborate thing that happened like a like a Goldberg machine. Well, and they did a good job because it's Miami. They moved to the Marlins moved to Miami and they had all these, you know, vibrant colors and mm-hmm. like Will Smith performs every game. There. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But I liked that and I thought, you know, I hope MLS Miami does something like that when they get Ronaldo in two or three four years. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. Vegas is doing their thing in the same in a similar way. Let's see if Miami can copy them. Phil, would you say that Las Vegas is keeping it wavy? Who's your keeping it wavy team of the week? That's what we're going to start doing. Keep it wavy team of the week? Yeah, man. The waviest team in USL this week. Who was it? Waviest team in USL would be... Damn. I don't don't really know. Maybe Uh, RGV. Because they just took it easy, countered, got the... (laughs) (laughs) The team with the most passes in their own third is the waviest team. Yeah, there we go. I like that. (laughs) We're <laughs> just like, hey but man, I, if you want to try to attack, all over just, here, just but like, you it. Like just go for it. Fast too, so I'm gonna yeah. get it, man. And then he gets and he's like, hey, yo, left back. Yeah, or the team that looks like they take a loss the easiest. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, like that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're cool. Yeah, I I sometimes kick a soccer ball around too, man. Um. <laughs> Anyway, we should really get out of here because it's just going to devolve you. So, time. it is so, devolving a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, follow us uh, at the USL show, or you can follow us all individually. Um, let's see here. I am at Valella BSFC. That's Visa Victor I L L E L L A BSFC. Uh, posted a decently good picture of me and uh, and the boyfriend at a Love Simon movie screening. It's just the thing that happened. Uh, follow Pony at Iron Pony Chef on Twitter. It's a joke. We don't even know it, so that's great. Uh, <laughs> Phil at STL Soccer Report and or at Phil with two L's grooms with two O's. Uh, Ryan is at ILM underscore Ryan and Kev is over at K McCamish PDX. Uh, that is M C C A M I S H. By the way, he's not a Mac. Uh, other projects and things you can find us on Ryan and Pony write for Indomitable City Soccer. Um, Kev is over at Play the Kids. Phil, you do your own thing at uh, at St. Louis Soccer Report. Oh, and, and Kev's also at Stumptown Footy. I apologize. And uh, and you can find myself over at Brotherly Game. But but one thing real quick, two things real quick. One, theuslshow.com. From there, uh, go check out our friends at Soccer Loco. Hi, DK. Or you can also check out our friends at uh, Patreon. It's our Patreon, patreon.com backslash D-U-S-L show. Again, totally optional, but if you find anything that we say moderately interesting, funny, and or otherwise, and you feel like you would want to, you know, financially support us, feel free. Um, and then, you know, check out the rest of the network for sure. Uh, be, at BGNFM, things like that. Also, feel free to uh, to subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff. And uh, send us any Twitter questions, inquiries, comments, or criticisms. Until next week, guys, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Take care.